Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. John chapter 12, starting in verse 12, we're just going to read through to verse 19, and then we'll pray and we'll get into our Bible study this morning. So starting in verse 12 of John chapter 12 this morning. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb was, and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your time of worship, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would just uh, show yourself here in this time of Bible study. As we remember last week, Lord, Easter, the celebration, and all that you did, how beautiful the weather was, and just, just to celebrate as a giant church, a family, Lord God, uh, lifting up your name. Lord, we thank you for all the work you did. And Lord, may the work you started then in many hearts continue through. And Lord, may even this morning, may our hearts just turn towards you. We ask, God, that you would open our hearts and our eyes this morning. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us personally. I pray for each one of us, Lord, individually, that you would just give us a blessing of your word this morning, that you would teach us something new, that you would show us something about you, Lord, that we need to hear, that we need to see, and that it would ultimately glorify your name. So, Lord, we commit our Bible study time to you, and we ask that you would bless it in your name. Amen. That kid's excited. So, okay, so here's what happened. Two weeks ago, we left off at the beginning of John chapter 12, and Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, A short period of time goes by, and then Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they decide to invite Jesus back over with his disciples to their house for a dinner. And this is where Mary, in the middle of this uh, time of hanging out, eating food, she breaks open this expensive bottle of perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet and washes his feet with her hair. And we see this incredible display of, of just unashamed worship to Jesus. She didn't care what anyone else thought. She didn't, un- she didn't care what the value of that perfume was, which was a year's wages, very expensive bottle of perfume. And she just gave Jesus everything at that moment. And Jesus really exhorts her and says, this is, this, is, this is great. And he said, this is actually preparation for my burial. He was pointing forward to his crucifixion and his burial that was soon to be happening. And so during this party, a lot of people showed up and they wanted to see this guy, Lazarus, who Jesus had raised from the dead. He was cr- kind of creating this stir around the whole community. I mean, can you imagine if, if someone was raised from the dead in and, and, and Leesburg? We'd want to go check this guy out, find out what's going on. I mean, like, what kind of questions would you ask that guy? I know I'd be like, like, what was it like, man? Like, what'd you see when you were dead? Come on, I want to know. Give me a clue, right? That's what I would be asking. And so this whole area of Bethany where they lived was a stir, and many, many people were beginning to follow Jesus. 
In fact, you see in the scriptures many times where it says thousands of people would gather and wherever Jesus would be, crowds would follow him. And this was not sitting well with the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were losing control over the people, religiously speaking. People were following the Pharisees and listening to them, but as Jesus' ministry for those three years was gaining in popularity, people were turning away from them and following Jesus. They were listening to his words. They were receiving uh, the gifts of the miracles and things that he was doing. They were becoming his disciples. And so Jesus was gathering great crowds around him. And so now here we are. It's the beginning of the week of the Passover, which is a required feast that was uh, part of the Jewish culture at this time. And it was one of three feasts that were required for them to go back to Jerusalem and worship there and celebrate in this feast. It was a week-long celebration and the, the Passover feast basically was this. You guys remember back in the Old Testament when Moses set the people free from Israel, right? God raised Moses up. They were in slavery to the Egyptians. God raises Moses up. He goes to Pharaoh and tells him, hey, let my people go. And he's like, no, I'm not going to let them go. And so Moses is like, all right, God's going to wreck your world. And so Moses is like, oh, I'd like to see that happen. And then it happens, right? Like, well, the last thing that happens is, is the Passover. And what it was is Moses had warned him, you got to let my people go. Or it's going to be deathly. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. And what, it, what had occurred was is that the angel of death, or, or the angel of the Lord also, would, came through, and if they did not have the blood of a lamb on their doorposts, the angel would go in and take the life of the firstborn in that family. And so this was the straw that broke the Pharaoh's back, you know, figuratively speaking, to let them go. And those that had the blood of a lamb on their doorposts uh, sprinkled on the doorpost, the angel of the Lord would pass over that house, not stopping there. It would have mercy on them. And it was really symbolic of the blood of Jesus, how God's judgment is going to pass over anyone who has the blood of Jesus covering their sins. It was really a foreshadow of the cross, of the work of God's, of, of the cross in Jesus in the lives of anyone by faith who would believe in it. And so what, as a result of that, they, they leave, they travel through the, uh, They've traveled through the desert for 40 years and then they enter into the, eventually into the promised land. And what happens is there's a requirement by Moses set in place out of, out of the book of Leviticus. It says, you must remember what God did at the Passover. And so they had a feast where they would celebrate what God had done and they celebrate this idea. And so they had a special meal prepared and they had a special ceremony prepared and they, would, they were required to go back to Jerusalem. Now, this is what's about to happen in Israel, in Jerusalem. Everyone is, that's from surrounding villages and towns, are, they're coming back into Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. It's estimated that two million people would go back into the city of Jerusalem during the Passover. Two million people. Now, that's a lot of people. I mean, even in today's standards for a city, that's a big number of people to just all of a sudden swell in num- you know, into a city. Can you imagine if Leesburg suddenly had, went from 15,000 to 2 million people? We wouldn't be able to find a parking spot, man. There, you know, it's like you'd be renting your room out to people and trying to make money off the deal, right? But the reality is this is what was happening. So here's Jesus. He's coming into the, to the city to celebrate. He had currently been in kind of hiding because they were planning on killing him. And now he's like, he's like public. He's like, I'm coming forward. This is how it's happening. And this is really the beginning of the end of Jesus' ministry and life. It's really the last uh, week of his life. It's coming down to play here. And so you're going to see in the Gospel of John here as we continue through, the last, uh, these last you know, eight or so chapters are going to be 
uh, it's going to start to move in a quicker pace and you're going to see things, uh, how Jesus is preparing his disciples for him to leave and to be crucified. And so he's coming in. As he goes in, we see that these crowds of people that are spontaneously gathered around him, they begin to do something strange. They begin to sing out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they begin to take these palm branches and lay them down in front of him and wave wave them in front of him and they even are taking their cloaks off and laying it in front of jesus as he's entering into the into the city and this is an interesting thing because we're really going to focus on these two things we're going to focus on jesus him riding on a donkey and we're going to focus on the crowds and them laying down the palms this morning those are the two things that we're going to look at the significant things and so let's look at the palms first the palm branches this is really interesting historically the palm branches were something that israel adopted because it's something that happened about 200 years previous to Jesus even being around. It's something by a name that happened through a, a uh, family by the name of the Maccabees. And this is a cool story. Guys, you'll enjoy this. Okay, so pay attention. Israel was invaded, and the enemy came in, and this is, you know, this is 200 years before Jesus. Okay, so it's like that time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Not much is recorded there, but we know this. And they were invaded. And one of the first things that this uh, enemy army decides is that Israel is not going to be allowed to practice their religion. So they go into the temple and they desecrate the temple and they take it over and they outlaw any worship of the true one, the one true living God of Israel, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God. They outlaw it. And anybody who wants to worship is going to be killed and all of this. And so what happens is the Maccabees, this family, they, they start this sort of guerrilla insurgents, this, this like group of uh, soldiers, and they come against this enemy that's attacked the city. And actually, the guy's name was Judas of Maccabee, and his nickname was the Hammer. That's awesome. I mean, if you're going to run a, like an insurgent army, you want to have a cool nickname, and the Hammer is a cool nickname. Can you imagine? Like, they see him, and they're like, hey, that's the Hammer. Yeah, man, he's going to bring it down. You know, it's like, you know, I wonder what he looked like. I wonder if he had like a mustache that came down just like that, you know, like kind of like Hulk Hogan has, you know. He's like, I'm coming after you, you know, right? So anyways, so the Maccabees, they, they set up this like army to come against this, this invaded enemy. And what happens is they actually defeat them. And this guy, Judas, he actually dies in the battle, but his brother goes and finishes the work for him. So his dad starts it, the insurgents. Judas, the son, takes it over, and then his brother takes it and finishes it. And they actually drive them out of the city. They restore worship back to the temple. And Israel is so incredibly blessed by this and excited. They have this sort of ticket, ticker tape parade. And what they do is they pull the palm branches off the trees, and they're waving them at this guy's brother, Judas's brother, as he's walking through the city. And he's just, they're celebrating the victory and so it's a sign of nationalism it's a sign of victory it's this cool thing that's happening where israel has adopted this in as part of their culture and so jesus is riding in on a donkey and they're waving these palm branches and they're laying them at his feet signifying that they want a new king they want somebody that's going to set them free they want to be liberated you see rome was ruling over israel at the time and they were oppressing them and then you have Jesus who's coming in as the king. Now, he didn't, he didn't stop them from doing this. In fact, he said, you know, he actually proclaimed, I am coming as the king. When they would say, you're the king, you're coming, he, he never denied it. But his method and his reason for coming, as we'll see, was very different from what they were expecting and what they were thinking. Look at what he's doing. It says that he grabs in verse 14, it says that Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. 
And this was to fulfill scripture out of Zechariah that talked about how Israel's king was going to ride in on a donkey. And you have to know this about the donkeys. Now, now, has anyone ever ridden a donkey here? Nobody? One? One person? Okay. Two people? Okay. They're really stubborn. They're really, really stubborn creatures. And if you ever get the chance to go out to, like, say, the Grand Canyon, you can do these tours of the Grand Canyon where you, go, you actually ride a trail down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon on a donkey. It's pretty cool. I've never done it. I want to do it, though. And, and I've looked into it. And it's pretty neat. Now, the donkeys in Israel in the Middle East are different than the donkeys that are bred here in the United States. Their donkeys were work animals. They just simply were used to pull carts, to, to carry loads. They weren't really a majestic creature. They were kind of this sort of thing, you know, a donkey wasn't highly respected or esteemed as, you know, something valuable. And so Jesus sends two of his disciples up. They get this donkey. He, they throw their cloaks down. He jumps on it. Now, they were also small compared to the donkeys here. In fact, if uh, you or I were to ride one of these donkeys from the Middle East during this time, we would have to lift our feet up because they're that short. Little donkeys. And have you ever heard a donkey talk? Seriously, it happened. Read your Old Testament. It happened. Balaam's donkey, he talks. No, they do sound like this. They're like, hey guys, I'm Eeyore. You know, Winnie the Pooh? All right, anyways. So, Here's this donkey that Jesus sets himself on. And they're singing, Hosanna, blessed be the king of Israel. Now remember, I talked to you guys about this before. The people wanted to be set free. And why would you not want Jesus to be your king? I mean, he raises the dead. He feeds those people. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? And he's pulling money out of fish's mouths to pay taxes. He's walking on, on water. He's controlling the weather. Perfect king, Right? You, know, you don't have to worry about going to war. You die, he raises you from the dead, right? If you're hungry, he just multiplies the food. If you need money, he just go fishing. Pull money out of a fish's mouth. I mean, like, why wouldn't you want this guy to be your king, right? The problem is, is what they are thinking that Jesus was there to do was to set himself up as an earthly throne, as an earthly king, was not the time that Jesus was gonna do that. He was setting up a spiritual throne, liberating them not from Rome, but liberating them from sin. That's what Jesus was there for to die so that sin could have victory over it, so that death could be defeated. That was his purpose of his first coming. His second coming, he will be a conquering king. He will establish his throne. He will reign on earth. In the thousand-year reign, we're going to see that. But this was not the time for that. They were just confused about what the purpose and the timing was. They looked at Jesus as a political savior. God looked at Jesus as an eternal savior, a spiritual savior. Now, he covers both, but in this time and this purpose was not what they were thinking. And to prove it, Jesus sits on a donkey as he comes into the town. I mean, when you think about all of our cool Disney movies, what does the Prince Charming and the Conquering guy come in on? What's he usually riding? A white horse. That's right. He's usually on a steed, you know, some cool stallion, and he's just like, you know, and he's like, onward, you know, and it's like a twinkle in his eye, ding you know, and his armor's like shined up and people are just like falling over. Oh, it's the king, you know. But you have Jesus here on a donkey. Can you imagine? They're probably pulling it along. It doesn't want to really go. It's stubborn. It's carrying the king of all creation on its back. How incredible would that be? Can you imagine that donkey going back to the stable? (laughs) Like, hey, Billy, what's up? Hey, (laughs) 
What'd you do today? Oh, nothing. I just took the king into the city. The king? Yeah, the king of the world. <laughs> Jesus wrote on my back. It's pretty cool. Can you see it? Look, it's like showing him off, you know. It's his little prince here on my back. It's from him. But in all reality, it's such a humble thing that Jesus was doing. It's so, it's so understated in reality of who he was and what he was there to do. It's nothing, nothing like what they were expecting. And so you have this crazy, really, it's a misunderstanding from everybody in there. You don't believe me? Look at what verse 16 says there. Even his closest guys, his disciples, didn't even understand. It says, at first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had, that they had done these things to him. They were taking part in God's divine plan of bringing Jesus in so that he could be put on trial and then eventually crucified. They had a part in this. And it wasn't until after Jesus died on the cross, was buried for three days, rose from the dead, and then finally was ascended up into heaven, glorified, that they finally got it and understood it. Something like 43 days later, they finally looked back and reflected on it. Man, when Jesus rode in on the Passover, that fulfilled Zechariah and Psalms. And man, I went and got that donkey. Oh, man. You know, they're, it's all like kind of coming to, uh, they're getting to understand it. So even at this moment, his disciples didn't even see the gravity of what was happening. You know, this is all good and cool and all, but like for you and me, like what does this mean today? Well, listen, I'll tell you what I think it means. There's a lot of people today that look at Jesus as a political savior, as someone who's gonna help them out of a mess, out of a jam, out of some kind of problem that they have, and they're missing him for the reality of who he really could be to them. There's a lot of people that will call on Jesus in the midst of a really hard, difficult situation. And listen, I'm not downplaying that at all. I think that you need to call on Jesus in the middle of hard times. But the reality is that a lot of those people that call on Jesus in the hard times, they totally ignore him when things are going really well. They totally just say, oh, I'll give time to God some other time. But then all of a sudden their life takes a turn, things are bad, there's a problem that's bigger than them, and now they're on their knees calling out to God, oh, help me, God, help me, help me, Jesus. You guys know somebody like that? Maybe some of you in this room are like that. The reality is is that Jesus didn't come just to be a political savior, someone that's gonna help you out of your mess. You see, that's a savior that's convenient for you. You know, I say political because they're looking at more of someone who can just kind of take care of the day, kind of what's going on, kind of make things better. You know, kind of like we do with, with presidents. We elect a president because there's a problem and we want something changed. And then when it gets fixed or it doesn't get fixed, we either re-elect, you know, re-elect them or send them down the road and, and get the next guy in office. And it's a convenience thing. The thing with Jesus, he doesn't come just as Savior, but he also comes as Lord. And this is the part where it really becomes real to you and to me. Because we all need and want the Savior. We all want to go to heaven, and God wants you to be in heaven. But not just for eternal things, but he has something for you in this life. And those people that call out a God in desperation when their lives is kind of becoming a wreck, and that's the only time that they'll seek out God, they're missing out on the life abundant that God has for them. It's not just the Savior, but it's the governing of God over their life as Lord. I wonder what would have happened to the people if Jesus really would have become king and liberated them from Rome at that moment. Would they really have liked what he would have done? I mean, he probably would have called them out for a lot of things they were doing wrong. He probably would have challenged them. Things would be better if you go with the king. 
The problem is our natural inclination isn't to go with the king. Our natural inclination is to go actually contrary to the things of God in this world because we have a sin nature that lives within us. And when you invite Jesus into your heart and he becomes your savior, he also becomes your Lord and he crucifies that sinful nature and becomes the king over your life in that way, ruling over you. But you have to submit yourself to his lordship. It's not just by word only, but also in deed. And far too many young people today, guys, are holding on to heaven for salvation, but they're living their daily lives for themselves. They are ruling their own lives, calling their own shots. They're not looking to God's word for how they should behave and speak and treat other people and how they should serve God. They're simply doing what they want to do and looking to heaven for another day. But God says, I've saved you for a purpose. I've saved you for a plan, for a reason. And I want to rule and reign in your life in every single part, every day. You see, when God begins to govern your life daily, those things that happen in your life that would drive you to him typically, now you already, you're already prepared for them because you're, you're used to dealing with him and he's, he's warning you through his word. And, and actually you'll see some of those things might even actually go away that would be there before because you're adjusting your life to God's word and you're reaping the blessing of obedience, which brings peace and order that comes only from God. But when you resist that, you invite yourself to be <laughs> to anything that comes down the road. And I think God is desiring that we would set ourselves apart for him, not just as Savior, but also as Lord. These people, and I don't want to you know, bust on all these guys that were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save, God save, because they're doing the right thing. They just were misunderstood in the timing. But you and I have the benefit of knowing the full knowledge of what happens here in Scripture, and we know. And we have the full benefit of God's very presence in your life today. Maybe He is your Savior, but maybe the throne in your heart, He's not sitting on it. And that's where He wants to, that's where he wants to sit, is on the throne of your heart this morning, being your Lord, helping you through this life, giving you His Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. Is that where you are? Is that what he's doing in you? If not, it's simple. We're going to pray. You just simply need to just say, God, I want you to rule over my whole life. I give everything to you, not just for eternity, but for this life too. I give you this life, this morning. It's that simple. And then after that, you set yourself on seeking out his will. And you know that by reading his word. So create times where you'll go and dig into his word in the morning in the evening whenever it's convenient for you at that time but dig into his word we have bible studies here we have wednesday night services there's opportunities for you to know god's word deeper and as you know his word his wisdom is unfolded to you and then you know how to live your life all right let's pray